Okay, we are going to continue our conversation from last week. If you guys remember, we've been talking about making better decisions, right? And we've been saying good questions lead to better decisions, and better decisions lead to fewer regrets. Okay. Does anybody remember? Well, these are the four questions. Never mind, we're not going to go down that path. So we were talking about the integrity question, the legacy question, and then this week we're going to talk about the conscience question and the maturity question. Does anyone remember the integrity question by chance? No one? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if I was, uh, maybe I'm just not memorable. That's all good too. Um, the question is, Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself, really? And what did we say about that question? We said that you can't... You can't... make the best decision for yourself until you are honest with yourself. And we also said that with that, the decisions that we make today will shape our future tomorrow. So all of our decisions that we make today will have an impact on our future tomorrow. And then the legacy question. Does anybody remember the legacy question? No? Okay. The legacy question is, what story do I want to tell? So we were talking about what legacy do we want to leave for our families and our children or whomever. What story is it that we want to tell? And we talked about the story of Joseph. I actually want to bring up really quickly another story because I was thinking about it over the week. And there's another person that's actually quite near and dear to my heart um, that I think actually left a huge legacy, especially in our church. Um, and that his leg legacy or his integrity rather is the legacy that we now have today. And that was, or is, Pope Corollis, or Pope Cyril um, VI. And he was our patriarch in the 1960s. So he only reigned or, or was patriarch for about a decade of time. And in that decade, he completely changed the face of the church. Now, growing up, when I was growing up, I knew him for his miracles. That was essentially what we always heard about Pope Corollis. It was his miracles. We would hear thousands upon thousands of miracles. But I ended up ordering last year a book called um, The Silent Patriarch, uh, which is about the life and legacy of Pope Corollos, which was amazing. And I actually learned a lot more about him um, than I ever have before. He actually was the one that took Habib Gerges, who started the idea of Sunday school, and brought it to life in the church. He brought that to life in the church. He helped create the, the committees and the organization that we have in the church all in 10 years. And it was during a time and a period that I didn't realize we actually had in the church where we had a period of darkness and corruption and lack of spirituality and nobody was going to church. The monasteries were empty. We really didn't have a good period of time in the church, actually from like mid-1800s till about when Pope Corliss, um became pope. Um, and the thing is, when he became Pope, nobody really liked him. They didn't like him because they thought he didn't have any not desire or leadership or could take action. 
His idea of action was to pray. He made the decision his enti- that during his reign, how decisions would be made or how things would change in the church was through prayer. And the bishops were not happy. The people were not happy. They did not think that that was the way that the church could go. That, that, that's not how you take action. But because he stuck by his decision for prayer and to pray and to continually, you know, ask God and seek God for guidance, in those 10 years, the church completely changed, just went ahead and flourished. And he left us a legacy. Our church literally would not be what it is today without Pope Corollas. Um, So I just wanted to call that out. I know that those are really big shoes to fill, and I'm not saying by any means any of us should try to fill those shoes in that way, but we all have our little thing or whatever it is, whatever our decisions are, will have an impact, and we will leave some sort of legacy, whether it be for if you're in a leadership position with, with, with whatever you're doing or even with your children or your grandchildren. There's some story that you're going to want to tell, and your decisions will get you there. Okay, so this week we're going to talk about the conscience question first. And this question is, is there a tension that deserves my attention? And this question actually is really helpful, especially when it comes to decisions that we have to make by when it comes as a surprise, right? There's a lot of times that we know we have time to make a decision, we can go through the analysis, we can you know, have a conversation with our spiritual guides or our parents or whomever, our friends, and kind of really kind of weigh the pros and the cons and kind of figure things out. But there are times in our life where surprise decisions are gonna hit us and we're gonna have to make a decision pretty quickly. And those are the times that we tend to potentially make decisions where they could lead to regret because we just didn't have time to deal with it in the right way, okay? We didn't have time to seek um, godly advice. And one of those examples, I'm just gonna use this as a very simple example. Let's just say everything is great at work, life is going well, you guys have, you know, you have the perfect job, a steady paycheck, you know, things are great. But a recruiter calls you out of the blue and has this amazing job for you with an amazing raise, but, it requires that you have to move your family to the other side of the country. And you have to make a decision in a week. What do you do? That's a decision that's now hitting us by surprise. And now we're going to have to figure out, do I uproot my family and take the risk? Or do I play it safe and stay where I'm at because everything is going great as it is? But because of the time deadline, we really don't have enough time to sit down and make that proper decision. And sometimes when we're going through life, we're considering certain options, but we don't, when we're looking at these things, we don't really, there could be something eating at you, right? You have to make a decision, you think it should be easy, but there's something kind of like picking at you saying, oh, maybe I should look at this, or maybe I should think about that, but we kind of sometimes want to stuff it down, not really do anything about it, kind of just brush it over. We don't realize sometimes, and I know this happens for me all the time because I do this, I want to just ignore that tension, if you will, that that probably is the voice of God speaking to us. And that voice of God um, is something that we need to listen to. Now, you could say it's your conscience too, right? We are all born with a conscience. 
Um, and that conscience tells us if something is right or wrong. You know, we're always taught murder is wrong, lying is wrong, stealing is wrong. We know that from our conscience. But we as Christians have something additional in us that we get through the sacrament of baptism, and that is the Holy Spirit. And St. Paul says to us that now that we have, now we have received the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. St. Paul says we have that something extra. We have that Holy Spirit. And, but how does that really work when you think about that with our conscience? Because there is a difference, right? Our conscience, like I said, tells us what's right or wrong, but the Holy Spirit will tell us something more. It'll tell us to forgive 70 times 7. Our conscience doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit will tell us to turn the other cheek or go that extra mile or make peace with that person, even though you may be the victor, or give when you are lacking. Only the Holy Spirit can do that for us. But sometimes this voice of God is more of a voice, like a small whisper instead of a shout. We can't always hear it. Actually, I remember this was so many years ago when we were at a conference back when I was in college, so way <laughs> many years ago. Um, His Grace Bishop Angelos gave this talk about this topic. And I remember somebody asking the question, how do I know if, the vo- if God is speaking to me? How do I know, how do I hear his voice? And he gave a really great analogy. He gave an analogy of a radio, right? So with a radio, you can see it. You can hear music or a message or a program or whatever it is. But in order to get that message or program, you have radio. Like, you need to have, and I'm not an engineer by any way, so I apologize if I mess this up. But there are radio waves that come through the radio to deliver that message. There's a frequency that you have to set your radio to to hear that message. Same thing with the voice of God, right? We have to set that frequency and tune ourselves to, hear, to l- listen for it and find that message from him. We can't, it's not just going to hit us. We have to be willing and open and have our radio set to hear his voice. And that, that was a great analogy for me. I thought, like, I've learned, I heard this 20 years ago, and I have not forgotten it since. So we just have to make sure that we're listening for it. His voice may be there. We may not be hearing it. But when we do hear it, and we start to be attentive to it, that voice will get louder. We will get used to hearing it and and look for it and listen to it more often. But if we don't, and we do this a lot, sometimes, like I said, we kind of want to stomp on it or quench it, right? That's called the quenching of the Holy Spirit, what we call the quenching of the Holy Spirit. We want to pour water on it, and we kind of want to push it away and shush the Holy Spirit out of our lives, especially if that voice is telling us something that doesn't align to what we want to hear, 100%. Um, There is a second version, right? So that's us hearing it. But sometimes God gives us other avenues for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. It could be through a friend or a family member or your spiritual father, like a priest or whomever, right? Like you may have made a decision. You probably might, you could have gone through all of your due diligence, if you will, to make sure that you've gone through and did the pros and cons and everything's all good. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody comes and gives you something else that you didn't think of, 
right? That comes from the Holy Spirit as well. Do you ignore that friend? Do you do something with it? We have to make a decision. It is important for us to realize that we need to take advantage and pay attention to the tension, right? There's always a tension that we are going to feel if something doesn't feel right, and we really need to make sure that we pay attention to the tension. We owe it to ourselves to do that. We owe it to ourselves to pay attention to the tension. You may not change your decision, but you at least had the opportunity to assess it and make sure that you did something about it. You may not change anything, but you have to pay attention to the tension. King Solomon says this in the book of Proverbs. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. He says they are punished. So which one of these are you? Are you that prudent person that sees the, da- that sees the danger, sees that red flag, takes the refuge? Or are you that person who's just going to keep on going and ignore the tension? What are you going to do? Is there a tension today in your life that deserves some attention? Is your gut telling you something? Is there a still small voice that you've been ignoring? Is there someone telling you, are you sure? Do you need to think about this again? Again, you will never regret pausing and embracing that voice, even if your decision ends up being the same in the end. My challenge to everyone here today is to explore and not ignore your conscience and pause and find the hesitation of your cause, the cause of your hesitation. Again, explore and not ignore your conscience, but to pause and find the cause of your hesitation. Okay. So, in the book of Sirach, which we don't really call out very often, it's one of our old first early church, early church um, books from the Apocrypha. We probably hear it probably a lot more during Holy Week, and this was one of the verses that we had during Holy Week. Um, But in the book of Sirach, he says, do not follow yourself and strength so as not as to walk in the desires of your heart. I'll say it one more time. Do not follow yourself and strength so as to walk in the desires of your heart. Okay. Last week, if you guys remember, we did, we did talk a little bit about um, a, ta- a, a theory called confirmation bias. And that was the tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs or theories. Right? We said what last week? That we usually try to find evidence that supports what we want, that aligns to what we want. But Sirach is telling us that we need to stop following our desires but to follow God's desires for us. So if we always have our eyes set on God, the one who knows all, then our conscience will sub- and subsequently our decisions will be in alignment with God. So we really need to make sure that we pay attention to the tension. Okay, last question, which is the maturity question. 
And this question is, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? So let me ask you a question. The question is, are you guys, a, are you guys snoozers? Like in the morning, I know me, every single morning, even though I work from home and I can get up at any time with my PJs to get on a call, I like to snooze. I have to snooze at least for 45 minutes. So for every meeting I have in the morning, I work backwards a certain amount so that I can set my alarm to do the snooze. How, how, like, really, what's the point of that? Like, what benefit does it give us to snooze for those nine or 18 or 27, whatever the nine minute race, inter, um, intervals are, to snooze? You want to say something? <laughs> But are you really? Because here's what's going to end up happening. What ends up happening is you get up feeling behind, you get up feeling stressed, you, have, you feel like you like, have no time to do anything. The snooze button doesn't do anything for us. Versus if we had just gotten up, straight out of bed, gotten sh- dressed, had the shower, gotten our coffee, started our day, all good, right? Like we could have just, what's the point of the snooze button? But... For some of us, it may not be about that snooze button. Maybe there's something else. What is your snooze button? It could be that one more bite, that one more drink, maybe the one more pair of shoes that you're going to buy. We like to go to the edge and see how close we can get to staying there. We always try to do as much as we can without getting ourselves in trouble. So what is our snooze button? Okay. King Solomon states in Proverbs, this verse, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. A fool repeats his folly. We know the dangers of that one extra bite of cake or that cookie or whatever it may be, but we're fooled in repeating our mistakes and eating that extra bite of cake or going back um, to whatever it is that we may have. But King Solomon is saying this is dangerous, right? Why are we willing to risk our health with that piece of cake or whatever it is, right? Why are we willing to risk it? Why do we do this to ourselves? There's probably a reason inside our heads that we've never really articulated or thought about, but we do it. But for us, we tend to make decisions like this. If it's not wrong, it's all right. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. If it's not immoral, it's acceptable. And if it's not over the line, it's probably fine, right? If we're not doing anything wrong, then it's fine, right? We can do that. This is how we tend to make decisions. This is how we live our life. It's not about, we make decisions as whether it's right or wrong, allowable or not allowable, forgivable or not forgivable. And why is this dangerous when we, when we want to make decisions this way? What are we doing? Are we helping ourselves with this? So I'm just going to give an example. And this probably will hit more for the parents in the room. Would you expect your son or daughter, if you have a son or a daughter, it's a teenage daughter, would you go and tell them, okay, you guys can go do whatever you want. Happy for you to do whatever you want as long as you don't go to jail. Would we do that? 
Is that good? Are we good with that kind of answer? But this is kind of what it's saying, right? If it's not wrong, it's all right. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. If not immoral, it's acceptable. If it's not over the line, it's probably fine. Do we want to make decisions like that where we're going to the edge? Or I was listening to a talk the other day, and the, uh, one of the abunas in this talk, or the abuna in this talk, was talking about how when um, people come to him for confession, a lot of people will start the, 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 like talking to him with, the question of, is it a sin if? Or where does it say X in the Bible? What is the consequence if I do this? Or really, what are we doing? We're trying to see how far we can go without destroying our lives. We're trying to see how far we can push it with God without going to hell, essentially. So where does it get to the point where I've gone too far? And where does it get to the point where maybe I've stolen too much and I'm actually considered a thief? Or, you know, I've ignored my kids too much that now I'm considered a negligent parent. When does it get too much? Um, First Corinthians, St. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And this verse actually reminds me of another story. And I know I'm going back to my college days. I don't know why I keep on going back to my college days, but I am where I heard, I remember Bishop Yusuf giving us a talk way back when. It was probably a Bible study. And I remember him saying that just because something is not wrong doesn't mean it's okay. And that he would always tell ourselves that to ask the question, does it edify you or is it helpful for you before you did something, right? It may not be wrong, but is it edifying and is it helpful? And I think that's also stuck to me. Uh, stuck with me all, all my years. So it could be that certain things are not wrong, but they're not also helpful. Certain things are allowable, but they may not be good for you. So imagine, for example, you see a two-year-old girl standing at the edge of a swimming pool. And she doesn't, her parents aren't around, there's no one around, but there's this two-year-old girl that's standing at the edge. You know she doesn't know how to swim. What are you going to do? Are you going to leave? She's not doing anything wrong. She's not yet in danger, but she's close to danger. She's on the edge. What are you going to do? Are you going to leave her? You're going to go grab her and move her away from the end of the edge of the pool so that there's no issue. You're going to move her, right? We don't want her to get into any sort of danger. We have no room for danger in this situation, but it's the same in our own lives. There is no room for that kind of danger because one minute we could be dry The next minute, we could be drowning. One minute, we could be safe. The next minute, we might be tumbling. One minute, you could be sober and in full control. And the next minute, your life may be spinning. So one minute, you're standing at the edge of the cliff. And the next minute, you might be tumbling down it. So what is your snooze button? What is that snooze button that keeps you at the edge that you need to think about? When we run to the aid of our children, it's not because of where they are but because of the direction that they're headed in. So we need to think about that with ourselves. Do we take the time to ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? We need to make certain decisions in our life. And so what is that goal with those decisions? Is your goal the bare minimum, just to try to avoid disaster and to stay out of trouble? Or is your goal something higher? And if it's something higher, then we need to challenge ourselves to incorporate this question of, is it wise? Because there are certain things that may not be wrong, but they may not be wise. 
It might not be wrong for us to have another drink, but is it wise? It may not be wrong for us to start a relationship right now, but is it wise? And then think about your worst regret in life. Those regrets or those decisions that you made that you wish you could take back. Did they really happen immediately, that decision? Or was it a bunch of little decisions that you took that maybe weren't wrong, they might have been unwise, that led to this big decision or whatever it may be that now you have a regret in and wish you could take back? We have to think about what decisions we're making and whether it is wise or unwise. So the next verse is one for us to look at as a reference point on how we make decisions. And St. Paul is telling us to look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says that the criteria for our decision-making isn't necessarily right or wrong, but it's higher than that. It's wise and unwise. And we need to understand the will of the Lord and be wise and not as fools. And then he uses the term or the expression, the days are evil. And what does that mean? It really means that life in general and everything that we do naturally pulls us to the edge, right? We're never going to always stay in our lane and always do things, you know, in the right way. We're always getting pulled to the edge. It's that gravitational pull. It's the same gravitational pull as the two-year-old who decided she was going to go stand at the edge of the pool. She was going, it pulls us to the edge. We're always pushed to our limits and we always want to know how far we can go. Naturally. St. John Chrysostom, who happens to be a bishop, fourth century bishop um, from the early church, says, No one quickly and at once rushes out into vice, but the devil gently and little by little leads him on to it until he comes to the very pit of destruction and casts himself in. He uses the term little by little, right? If we think about that with what I just mentioned around how we make decisions, it's like one little decision to another little decision, and eventually it's going to cast us into a pit. Same thing. We tend to go through that, that process of little by little. We tend to not just eat, but overeat. Not just drink, but overdrink. Not just spend, but overspend. We're always going to extremes. It's okay, it's just going to be one more drink, one more bite, one more purchase. We need to ask ourselves, what is wise, not just what is wrong or permissible. Okay, so there are three ways we can apply this in our past and our present and our future. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do. So have you heard, if we look at the past, have you heard the expression, those who forget the past are kind of doomed to repeat it? If you forget how you've done stuff in the past, you're probably going to end up repeating that same mistake 
again if you've forgotten about it, right? We tend to find ourselves in the same mess. Our past predisposes us to certain weaknesses, temptations, lusts, attractions, desires, addictions, and we are a sucker for certain things, right? Whereas I'm a sucker for different things due to my past, you're going to be a sucker for different things due, due to your past. We all have our weaknesses. But we need to figure out what's wise based off of our past experiences, right? Some things may be okay for you, but they may not be okay for me. Some things may be okay for me, but they may not be okay for you. We need to understand what is okay for each of us. And I want to ask you, remember the question, ask yourself this question from last week. Am I being honest with myself really when we're looking at this? Even if you don't change those decisions that we've been talking about, you need to make sure that you are honest, you owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself and ensure that you are making the wise decision. In light of my present circumstances, is it wise to buy, life is seasonal, sorry. In light of my present circumstances, life is seasonal, right? There are certain things that may make sense yesterday that may not make sense today. But in light of my present circumstances, is it wise to buy that now or take that trip now? Is it wise to start dating now after that rough breakup? Parents, is it wise to add another commitment to your already busy schedule if you don't have enough time with your kids already? Is it wise? Again, all of these decisions aren't forever decisions. It's just decisions based off of the present today. And in one of my favorite verses that, like, that highlights this ni- very nicely is, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time for everything. There's a time to date and a time to take a break from dating. There's a time to go out and be social and a time to be alone. A time to invest and a time to save. A time to be with people and a time to be alone with God. There's a time for everything. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? There's nothing worse than watching someone sabotage their own life because of their decisions, right? It's one thing if your life gets sabotaged because somebody else kind of put, you know, brought it in and, and sabotaged it for you, but it's worse when you're doing it to yourself. Have you ever had a friend or asked a friend what they wanted out of life or what was their plan for life, and they've given you an answer, but their behavior says something else? They're sabotaging themselves. It's that single person who says maybe their dream is a godly marriage, but then they live an ungodly dating life or a single life that is not godly, and they think that magically that's going to turn into a godly marriage. It's the same thing with the parents, right? Parents who say that their kids are number one, and they want to invest everything in their kids, but then they end up spending 80 hours a week at work. They're not paying attention to their kids. How about that person who says they want to be connected to God, and hear his voice and have a personal relationship with him, but then they neglect the day-to-day practices, the journey with God by maybe not praying or going to church. We do this to ourselves. We really have the power to change the trajectory of our lives if we change the questions that we ask and change our mental framework. We can start making better decisions, which ultimately lead to better outcomes and fewer regrets when all is said and done, but you are only as good as your questions. And the impact that you have on this world will only be good 
as the quality of the questions that you decide to ask yourself to make these decisions. So what I ask, I'm asking, I'm asking that we incorporate these questions and embed them in our minds whenever we want to make a decision. Am I being honest with myself, really? What is the story that I want to tell, or what story do I want to tell? And is there a tension that deserves my attention? And what is the wise thing to do? You are where you are because of the decisions that you've made. If you want to get to new places and reach new levels, then ask yourself the better questions. Tony Robbins, who happens to be a motivational speaker, I don't know if everybody knows who he is, he made, he has this quote, the quality of my life is directly proportional to the quality of my decisions. How true is that? The quality of my life is directly proportional to the quality of my decisions. My prayer for you is that we take control of our lives and that you would take control of your life and begin to steer yourself in the direction that you want by asking yourself or starting to ask yourself those four questions. Okay, you can stand up to pray. In the name of Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message, and we ask you to help us to embed these four questions into our daily lives. Lord, we ask you to help us to gain the strength to enable us to leave a legacy for our children that we want them to be able to have and to be proud of our own stories and the stories that we are going to be telling or that we want to tell. Help us to have this mindset daily and to learn how to make decisions cognizantly through the intercessions and prayers of St. Mary and St. Mark and all the saints. Please hear us when we pray thankfully. Our Father.